Luke chapter 18, then, we'll be looking at verses uh, 9 through 14. That's a story uh, that Jesus goes on to tell uh, this parable. Uh, Luke chapter 18, beginning in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. The tax collector was standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. The grass withers, flower fades, uh, but the word of the Lord endures uh, forever. We pray it would among us tonight. Jesus gives us here a story of two prayers. Um, And I'll help you out at the beginning. It's going to sound like I'm saying prayer all night when I'm actually saying a person who prays as a prayer. He begins with a story about two people, two prayers, two people who pray. Um, And when I read the sound of it, I know this is different than what it would be then, but it almost, it begins almost like the form of a modern day joke, right? Uh, two men walk into a, walk into a bar um, <clears throat> to have a drink. Right here, much more serious, much more significant, uh, but two people walk into, uh, <clears throat> uh, walk into the temple to pray. And it signals there the comparison for you to look, to compare these two men. And what you see, kind of like you do with a lot of these jokes, is the, is the reversal that comes. It signals for you the reversal of our expectations. Uh, the one whom we would actually expect maybe to be the butt of the joke, to be the object of ridicule, or the one who's scorned, instead is the hero. Uh, instead is the one who's made out for us as the model for the example uh, for us to follow. Right? Jesus says, this second man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So as we hear this parable and it's shaping us, let's not end up living our life as those who miss the joke, um, who miss the point of the parable that Jesus is telling for us here. Uh, maybe it has that form that I think of as a joke. It also has that form you hear in a lot of... Uh, I don't know that you can really call them proverbs or wisdom sayings, but there's, there's two types of people in the world, right? Uh, there's two types of people uh, in, this pr- in this parable. Maybe you have a favorite of the uh, two types of people, more than just, you know, the glass is half empty or the glass is half full, um, those who follow the rules and those who, uh, who make the rules. <laughs> if you're a Clint Eastwood fan or old Western movies, great classic quote there's two types of people in the world those whose guns are loaded and those who dig you dig um uh, uh one that i saw looked up looked up some uh two types of people in the world those who can extrapolate incomplete data 
And then my personal favorite, <coughs> two types of people in the world, those who think that there are two types of people in the world and those who don't. Uh, here there, there's two types of people in the parable. There's the good prayer and there's the bad prayer. And it draws out the question for us, which type are you? Where do you connect? And maybe you don't simply fall into one category or another. There's more than two types of people, right? Um, what does this story, though, tell you about yourself? The way you approach God? Uh, the way you treat others? The degree to which you relate to one or other of these two characters? Are you a good prayer? Are you a bad prayer? Because Jesus gives us a story of two prayers. So, so first, the good prayer. And it's the good prayer who comes uh, first in the parable that Jesus mentions. And he tells us about him in the first half uh, of the story, uh, verses 9 uh, to 12. And, and in fact, Luke's introduction shows us that the parable that Jesus tells is especially directed uh, toward those who would relate to the, the good prayer. Um, he says, Jesus told this parable to who? To some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and who treated others with contempt. Uh, that's, the, that's the good prayer. Uh, I'm going to highlight three aspects of it that we'll, that we'll look at. I think Luke's statement there highlights three things uh, for us. Uh, self-reliant. His faith is directed in himself. He, they trusted in themselves. They're self-reliant. Um, they're self-righteous. Uh, trusting themselves that they were righteous. And, and thirdly, uh, just to put it this way, self-exalting. As far as how they relate to others, they're trying to lift themselves up and look down with scorn or contempt on others. I think it's helpful for us to hear all three of those things, self-reliant, self-righteous, uh, and self-exalting, uh, particularly because uh, where you find one, you find all three. Uh, there's some ways that I know how quickly my heart relates to being, uh, being self-sufficient or, or trusting to myself. Um, but I try to pretend that the contempt isn't really there very much. Maybe for you, one of those is more obvious than others. <clears throat> but all three are, are tied together. But this is the, the good prayer. Uh, maybe if you're looking at those three points, you're going... Story, you've got it all messed up. You shouldn't be calling uh, this the, the good prayer. That's clearly, you've, you've got these two points uh, uh, reversed. This should be the bad prayer and the other uh, the good prayer. Uh, but uh, it's great. Um, but this is a story, right? And it's, it's cheating when you look ahead to the end of the story and, and then just bring that back before you've walked all the way through it. Okay, uh, so, so it's still at the beginning. The reversal doesn't come at the beginning. It comes at the end, and we, we jump ahead. We miss out. We can, we can know the conclusion, but, but I want us to see why it, why it matters. Because here's the thing. Um, we all want to be the good prayer. Typically, at least the way that we aim, the way that we pursue things is we're, we're trying to do well. We're trying to be good. We're, we're trying to be uh, the good prayer. And once we know that that's wrong, then we say, oh, that's not what we're trying. <clears throat> okay, so, so walk with me. The Pharisees are hearing this. And they're hearing two people are going into the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee, hoorah, and the other's a tax collector. Was even doing in the temple. Um, <clears throat> so maybe we can try some uh, parable parallels, right? Some other ways, that, other, other versions of the story. I think you could... 
uh, expand it in tons of different ways. So maybe you can find some others that uh, connect with you more personally. Maybe some of these will, will connect with you. But um, put it this way, maybe. Uh, two people go up to the church to pray. The serious Christian and the slut. And the serious Christian goes in to the very uh, front row and sits down uh, by himself and prays, uh, God, I'm thankful that I'm not like so many people on this campus who are lost in their sin, who are out on the wake- weekends getting, uh, getting wasted, getting high, and still hung over right now. But, but I spend my time studying scripture uh, instead of partying. I, I even know good theology. Uh, Meanwhile, the slut slips in uh, to the back corners of the church uh, in the shadows, uh, still sore from last Saturday night's excitement, and she prays, God, I don't know if you want me. I've given you plenty of reason not to want me. I've got nothing. Would you help? Maybe take a different version. Uh, maybe look at the parable as the, uh, the hardworking uh, church member and the homosexual. Uh, <clears throat> to walk in uh, to the church or the chapel, the, the hardworking church member and the homosexual. Uh, the church member uh, prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like those gays, like those uh, liberals who are degrading our society and undermining the foundations of our, of our cultural, culture. And I wake up early. Every, every Sunday, I'm here when there's extra meetings on the church. I'm here on Wednesdays. I'm at the Bible studies. I'm there on uh, Thursdays, prayer meetings. And, and I, I never miss my devotional times. Homosexual sneaks in, sits down by himself, not even looking up at others, and says, God, I'm, I'm not like others. Because I'm, I'm a man attracted to other men. God, are you repulsed by me? Will you, could you have mercy on me, a sinner? Maybe we can try a different way. The uh, uh, kind of like this one: the, the faithful girlfriend and the cheating jerk. Passage mentions adultery, right? I think you know, I'm not like these uh, extortioners or unjust or adulterers. So, in the college context, we'll go more this way. Uh, faithful girlfriend comes forward and she prays, God, I thank you that I'm not like so many of the immodestly dressed girls on this campus who are just trying to get attention from the next guy that they meet, jumping from guy to guy over weekend, weekend. I don't even flirt with anyone uh, besides my long-term boyfriend. And we've still never had sex, or actual sex. The cheating jerk comes in, sits in the back, and says, God, I'm such a jerk. Is there any hope uh, for me, a sinner? <coughs> or maybe, maybe just one more, one more parallel parable. Um, <coughs> two people go up to the church, the, uh, the service-oriented do-gooder and the druggie. Uh, the do-gooder says, God, I thank you that I haven't fallen in college like so many of these college kids and the bad vices that this place is just uh, ripe with. But I spend my free time doing, doing good things, volunteering, 
uh, putting in, getting involved in service projects, tutoring, or when I still have free time, just filling that up by getting ahead on my homework as a good student. And the druggie <coughs> wanders in toward the back corner uh, and says, God, is it, is it wrong if I even pray while I'm high? Um, I'm, I'm such a, such a failure. Will you rescue me, a sinner? Maybe those can connect with you or get you to the idea of this parable as it would have been heard early. Um, our, our aim is far more towards, towards being the good prayer uh, than it is most of the time toward uh, the bad prayer. We want to avoid the shame of the slut who slips in and sits in the back. We want to avoid uh, the shame of, of the druggie who's hoping people don't notice that his eyes are red and that he's high and why he's even there. Uh, we want to not be associated uh, with the cheater, jerk, uh, two-time and boyfriend um, who can't, can't really uh, care for, for someone more than himself. Right, we want to aim toward the, toward the good prayer, but here what happens uh, in this parable kind of brings out for us the, the ugliness of it. Because uh, the, the, the prayer of the good prayer um, isn't, isn't answered. The other goes down to his house justified rather uh, than the first one. Now, now listen, though, while the focus of the parable is on, uh, is, is on the religion, it, religious, it doesn't stop there. Right, right in verse... He's talking about the Pharisees in this context of, of going to the temple uh, to pray, but, but the context of verse 9 lets us know it's more broad than that. Uh, he's speaking to those who are uh, self-reliant, self-righteous, uh, and, and self-exalting, who think that they're righteous and treat others with contempt. It's a much broader, uh, <coughs> much broader application. Maybe you're not someone who prays at all or who wants to pray at all. What about treating others with contempt? Um, there's, a, there's a fascinating article I saw the other day. I'll try to post this on the um, ARIA Facebook group if you like random clicks to read interesting articles. Uh, it was called um, Politicized Life and the New Two Minutes Hate. A fascinating sociological article by uh, Sonny, uh, Sonny Bunch. Uh, and if you hear Two Minutes Hate, some of you maybe summer reading in high school, you had to read 1984, you just love that. But, but in the novel 1984, there was a government-mandated two minutes of yelling at the enemy. And they would put pictures and information about the enemy, and everyone was required to start yelling. And he goes and talks about it and says, no matter how much you tried to resist at the beginning, by a few seconds in, 30 seconds in, as you're hearing all the hate being yelled, you just want to jump in and yell, uh, yell the hate and scorn as well, the, the contempt. Um, and what Bunch does is, is argue that, that a tendency that he sees in society is that what we do is we don't have a government-mandated government hate. We've got a new two minutes hate of how we, how we get out this outrage, this moral, uh, moral pro things that we're, that, we're, that we're bothered with. And he says we tend to use blogs or internet comment sections or social media blasts for the same purpose. Getting out our anger and our hate. Haters are going to hate, right? Haters are going to hate. <laughs> but it's contempt. And, and we can say, oh, that's, that, that's the haters, that's them out there. But all of us have some topic that if you push that button, we're like, oh, I can't believe they would do that. 
I know I can't believe that, that this would happen, or so-and-so would say, would say that. Or if you're looking at it and you're like, I am not one of those people. Uh, you can th- scroll back through my Facebook and you will never find uh, me ever getting in on any of these things. I would not do something like that to just post hate on, a, um, on an internet forum or, or social media account. right? Because you're not like those people. Um, and already you see the contempt and the scorn of how we look down. It's just it's, it's pervading when we're honest with it. Um, contempt, scorn, disdain. Who do you look down on? Who do you look down on when you look through social media or when you read various different articles or when elections come around and things go your way or they don't? Who do you look down on? Who do you look down on as you just walk around campus? Uh, as you see the way people are dressed? As you overhear conversations? As you sit in class and see questions that are asked or not asked, <clears throat> who do you look down on? But here's how we tend to respond to that. Only to those who deserve it. Did you, did you see what they did? It was, it was idiotic. Um, right? It's only those that we think deserve it and we're glad that we're not like them. So whether you look at that as uh, those Republicans and they're turning the country this way or those Democrats that are marching over these things and you point the finger and you're like, they're the ones who are idiots. And they, they deserve me pointing the finger out of them because of how horrible they are. Uh, whether you look at that as the, the gay agenda and where that's leading our country or whether you look at it as the religious right stick in the muds that are, that are causing all these problems for progress. Or whether you look at it as the uh, the people who don't pay attention in class, or if you look at it as those overachievers, um, right? And I kind of, in my mind, I'm, I'm thinking through this stuff and writing it out, and I just, I like hear it all as, a, as like a single hashtag. Because <laughs> I mean, you just go through and you search the Twitter hashtags, and these are half the things you see, just people uh, showing contempt or disdain on, the, on something that would be like the hashtag, people who never pay attention in class. Or uh, so-and-so kept asking you what questions were going to be on the test nine times over every time the, the professor mentioned a new thing. Hashtag overachiever. Right? Hashtag get real, get alive. This is the way we look at things. Um, or uh, even if it's just simple things like, really, it's 70 degrees outside and you're wearing a jacket. It's not cold. What's the matter with you, right? And then someone else responding, uh, people who don't understand what it's like to live in Florida. I'm from Miami. It's never been this cold before, right? But, but our typical is just to look with disdain uh, one way or another. Contempt's pervading. And what is it that's behind the contempt? But the passage draws it out. Behind contempt, there's always a self-righteousness. Right? We, we only look down because we think that we're better. We think that we're higher up. And they are beneath us who understand it right. Who are part of the right camp, going the right way, pursuing uh, the right things. Um, we only show contempt because of a self-righteousness. Yeah, but did you see the way that she was dressed? Or, or yeah, but I would never wear my pants like that. What did, what, what, how ridiculous. Contempt, uh, self-righteousness behind it, and into that self-righteousness, what do we do? We put, we put our trust, we put our faith, we put our self-reliance. I'm going to make sure that I don't go down that road, that I don't end up there, because I don't, 
I don't want that shame. I don't want people to look like that on me. I don't want that course of action. I don't want to be associated with it. I don't want to be looked at as the slut or the druggie or the cheating boyfriend. I can. I have to do better. It's on me. Self-reliance. So Jesus is telling this parable to all of us. To all of you, to me, to all of us on the campus. Um, We want to be good. We're all trying not to be better. Either the most common answer uh, that people will give if you just ask the question, um, uh, do do you think you'll be into heaven? Or how do you think that you would, where do you think you'll go when you die if you think there's a God? And the the most common answer is someone just saying, I'm not sure what all I think about these things, but but yeah, no, I think if there's a heaven that that's where I'll be. I'm I'm a pretty good person. I've, I've made my fair of mistakes, but, but I'm still trying to make a positive difference. I think that matters and try to care for other people around me. It's the good prayer. Uh, the good prayer in the story gets nothing from God. But did you notice he asked for nothing from God? Um, really, he was only talking to himself about his self-reliance self-righteousness, and self-exaltation. And the gospel points to a different way, a more beautiful way, as Jesus' parable points us uh, to the second person in the story that we expect to be the one uh, scorned. Uh, He points us to the bad prayer. And the bad prayer becomes for us in this parable uh, the model, the hero, uh, the example that we should follow. He's the foil, the opposite of the Pharisee. Um, Everything about it is contrast. Okay, the similarity is they're both people, and they both go to the temple uh, for the purpose, at least, of praying. And there the commonality uh, ends. Now, both of them are standing standing apart. The Pharisee standing in the front by himself, but the, uh, uh, the, the tax collector standing away from people by himself for very different purpose. Uh, the, tax, the tax collector seen himself as beneath others, not even look, lifting up his eyes. Uh, the Pharisee seen himself as above others or walking by or even in specifically the tax collector. Instead of the self-righteousness that we see in the Pharisee, what you have in the tax collector is a self-abandon. There's a dependence a deep dependence on God alone. His faith, he's expressing as if his faith doesn't have anything to rest into himself. He's driven out of himself to be dependent on God and to call out to him, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He won't even lift up his eyes out to heaven, but he calls out. Instead of seeing himself as righteous, as his ability as being enough, sufficient to earn him some favor, at least to be heard from God, Um, He instead acknowledges his deficiency, that he hasn't done enough uh, to meet the mark. He hasn't met the standard. Uh, He's a sinner. He's a rebel against God, and he calls himself that before God. And as far as how he looks at others, instead of uh, contempt or exalting himself, as he calls himself a sinner, he's calling himself a degenerate. Um, having sunk below uh, the right condition of behavior uh, for what humanity should be like, what he should be like. He sees himself as worse uh, than others. That's why he stands far in the back. 
So instead of self-reliant, self-righteous, and self-exalting, in the bad prayer, we see him as dependent, as deficient, and as degenerate. And Jesus' parable shapes us to want to be like the bad prayer. It's the way Jesus tells the story for us to go, I want to be like the one who's dependent and deficient and degenerate. Uh, This is the one who's answered by God. Um, It's beautiful. It's awesome. Instead of like the good prayer, uh, God doesn't want you to be a good prayer, uh, but a bad prayer. That's what you see here. If I ask most of you about your prayer life, the time when students talk about it, y'all would tell me that most of you would say you're, you're a bad uh, prayer. But the, but the reason your prayer life isn't more vibrant, which is often what, what's meant, uh, is often because you're trying to be a good prayer. You're trying to do it right. Do it often, do it well, to say the right things, to know what's there. Instead, God points you, calls you to be a bad prayer, that you have the freedom and the opportunity at every point of sin and failure or mistake in your life. You're giving the freedom and the opportunity to be a bad prayer. To go, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Be answered and be loved and to be approved by God uh, because in your failure you look to him instead of yourself. That's freeing. That's motivating. That brings a much more uh, vibrant prayer life when instead of looking to ourselves and how we're doing, we're looking at God and what he's done and how we need him. Uh, You see, God loves and answers the bad prayer, not the good. All right, so still, now, don't try to, use, to, to do the reversal too early because you're, you're hearing it and you know the conclusion of the story. Uh, don't try to put the reversal there. Like, isn't, isn't the Brad prayer the one who actually does, does well, who does good? Yeah. But what's the reason that he's answered? What's the reason uh, that he's loved? It's, it's because of the glory of God and the righteousness of Christ. But what do we see in this passage about uh, how he's answered? What does he do? He admits that he's bad. He's the bad prayer, and if you asked him, he would say of himself, I'm the bad prayer. I don't have something to stand on uh, before God. He looks to God instead of himself. He talks about what he needs. It's not, I'm thankful that I'm not like all these other people who have problems. He says, God, I'm the one who has a problem, and I need you. Show me mercy. My life is not right. I can't get it right. I need your help. He realizes that he can't achieve enough, and he admits it. And he asks. He just, he asks. Instead of hiding, instead of pretending, instead of boasting, instead of trying to put on a good front or do it well or hope that that earns something, he acknowledges that he can, and he asks for mercy, for help. From the merciful God who loves to show mercy and point to his glory of his Son. As far as contempt, uh, he's giving up on thinking that better than will be good enough. How would you get into heaven, um, uh, (coughs) Mr. Tax Collector? He would say, I've got nothing. I'm not better than other people. I'm not a pretty good person. I'm pretty far off. I don't think I have anything that would get me in. But I I can hope for God's mercy. And that he is great enough that he could save a sinner, a rebel like me. 
instead of looking uh, at himself the way the self-righteous Pharisee does, I, 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 I thank you for how I am, that I'm not like them, and I've done these things, and I've done this. The bad prayer calls out to God, looks outside of himself to God for mercy, for help. Uh, The bad prayer who's dependent, who's deficient, who's degenerate uh, is the one who's approved, who's heard, who's answered, who's loved. Jesus gives the conclusion to it. I tell you this, the Pharisees are still listening, going, he may have put good words in the tax collector's mouth, but he's still a tax collector. The Pharisee was right to, to give thanks. Jesus says, I tell you this, this man, the tax collector, the sinner, went down to his house justified. Not the, not the other. Uh, this man, uh, the sinner, the bad prayer, uh, is the one who goes away answered by God and answered by God as approved, as righteous. He's justified. He's declared by God to be righteous even though he admits of himself that he's unrighteous, that he's ugly, and that he's done wrong. God declares the bad prayer and only the bad prayer, the way Jesus helps us to see it, Righteous in his sight. Right, The beauty of God's grace to us uh, in Christ. That we're accepted and loved. uh, Not because we're good enough. But that's the whole reason that Jesus came. That's the whole reason that Jesus suffered. And that Jesus gave himself. And that he died. Not for good prayers. But for the bad ones. Who need mercy. Who need someone who could do what they could not. Who could reconcile us to God. It's because of Christ's sacrifice for sinners that the unrighteous get declared righteous. That the bad prayers are heard and loved by their Father. That he delights in the prayers for mercy and dependence of the degenerate on him. Just say it directly. Jesus wants you to be a bad prayer. He wants you to be a bad prayer. He already knows you're bad. He wants you to acknowledge it and come to him for mercy. So he has the fullness of it to give to you. He gives it freely. Scripture says no one who comes to him, who depends to him, will be put to shame. He reconciles us to God as if we were perfectly righteous. Because he was perfectly righteous in our place. And listen... Once you're an openly bad prayer, treat others differently. Um, There's no place for contempt. You don't see this tax collector looking looking down on others. There's no place for for self-righteousness or for pride. Beautifully uh, freeing, like fresh air coming into a dark room that hasn't been opened in a long time. Uh, There's no need for hiding and hypocrisy. Hoping your roommates don't find out. Hoping your parents don't know what's actually going on. Uh, Hoping people in RUF don't know why you weren't here or doing this or or some other thing. There's no need to hide and be hypocritical because we can be freely open. We need mercy that we're off and that Christ is our only hope. And so when you look around then on the degenerate on the campus, you go, look at all my friends. Look at the people like me who are also needing mercy. 
I want to love and point them to the one who gives mercy and love to those who are hurting and needy. Two types of prayers in the parable. Which type are you? Maybe, maybe you're the good prayer. It's so hard to give it up. So hard to aim at something different. Maybe you're the bad prayer. Sometimes it's still just so hard to believe that you can receive mercy and love having done nothing for it. Yet God gives it freely. Maybe you find yourself uh, slipping along the scale uh, from one to another, depending on the moment or the day or what's on your newsfeed as you scroll down. Jesus tells us a story for you to hear the story, for it to get in your head and knock around while you're scrolling Facebook, post on Twitter, walk around campus, sitting in class while you're looking at one another, hanging out in friends. He wants the story to continue to echo back to you. When you come to church, when you come to RUF, when you stop for your devotions and you would come to him, he wants the story to, for you to hear it. There's two people coming up to pray. How am I going to pray? Which, which type of prayer uh, will you be? I always wonder what maybe some of the Pharisees, how they responded when they heard this. Um, and certainly since there have been uh, Pharisees or those who treat others with contempt who have heard this passage and gone, oh, that's me. And who could then turn and go, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So we see it. He shows mercy. The serious Christian, the faithful, somewhat pure girlfriend, the service-oriented do-getter, all can come and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, because I thought I could do something that Christ could not for me. The atheist, the agnostic, Buddhist, the Muslim, the spiritualist, pull your beliefs from wherever, can all look and hear this and respond, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And the slut, and the druggie, and the cheating jerk, and the homosexual can all call out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Because of the blood of Jesus, God welcomes and loves the bad prayer and not the good. So Jesus says, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. It's the beauty of the gospel for us.